The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Dr. Drayvon James and this is the Dr. Drayvon James Everyday Peace Show. I am super excited to be here with you today, despite how my voice may sound. I'm super excited to be here with you today as we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. On this program, we focus on women helping women. That's our theme this year. If you've been following us for some time, you know we change themes every year. But this one is really resonating with me, and I'm believing we're going to stick with it next year as well. It's a wonderful, wonderful theme because we bring the guests and the topics that highlight opportunities for us to learn and to grow. And if you're new to our tribe, well... Welcome to the world of Everyday Peacemakers. You can learn more about me, Dr. Drayvon James, and Everyday Peace by visiting my website at drdrayvonjames.com. On the website, you'll find words of wisdom, encouragement, contact information, information on how to join our very popular group coaching session, um, Leaders in High Yields. So please um, avail yourself to visiting that website. You'll find a lot of information there. We always bring exciting guests because uh, Women Helping Women helps the world at large. We take our information back to our families, to our friends, and to our communities. And I'm super excited to bring to you our guest today. And it occurs to me as I'm saying that I did not confirm the pronunciation of her last name. So as you guys know, I'm famous, could probably win awards for butchering names. But here we go. (laughs) The first name is Krista Ziamara. I hope I said that correct. And I'll allow her to correct me. And as um when we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about her. Um, she is the creator and host of I Am Awake Now What? It's a podcast incepted in 2018. Is an audio community for anyone who is on the path of awakening. I love that. Since its inception, it has grown globally and has welcomed spiritual giants such as Mike Dooley, Susan Piper, James McRae, Don, oh my gosh, John Don Jose Ruiz. I know I messed that up, but I love his, I love his work. <laughs> Corey Allen, Oliver Nino, Cute Blackson, and many, many more. The podcast is received in over 55 countries with a Listening, listening audience of over 60,000 per week. At the age of 28, Krista 
<clears throat> See, uh, I'm not going to mess the name up again, but uh, <laughs> decided to walk away from her religion of origin after suffering from religious trauma and wounding that led to internal working specifically with individuals wounded by their religious experience. She provides an alternative pathway to the divine by creating space, expansion, and healing outside of religious institutions. She is a practicing Buddhist and incorporates the collective wisdom found in both Eastern and Western religions, spirituality, and philosophy. She is the founder of Lightcasting, a spiritual media company. I am super excited to have you with us today. Please, your last name before we get started. I know I butchered it. <laughs> no, you did not butcher it. You said it beautifully. It's actually my middle name. So I, all of my branding is my first and, and middle name because it's very unique. So I keep it that way. But thank you. You did a wonderful job. And I'm also rethinking shortening my bio because that was quite the intro. Thank you. <laughs> no, but you know what? It's it, I I love your bio, and um, thank you that I pronounced your name right. And so something about being um having laryngitis must clear up my brain. <laughs> but I am excited for our time together today because uh, you bring to light uh, in your bio a topic that I think many people um, have experienced, but you don't hear a lot of open discussion surrounding that. So we're, we're talking about, um, you have so much to bring to the table. I mean, so much to bring to the table. So I guess I wanted to start, ask a very fundamental question is what, what made you say, Hey, I want to come out and be, this has happened to me and I want to come out and be, you know, I want to use this trauma to help others. Why that? Why not just, you know, I've, I've I healed and I'm going to go on. But in, that's a great question. And honestly, I did hide from it from a, for a really long time after I started my pathway of healing and integration. Once I left my religion of origin, I did get to a point where I was feeling so good about myself and so, so put back together and integrated. And then I finally realized that I really had to turn my pain into purpose, which I think a lot of us do. A lot of us go on this path and we are alchemists and we really want to turn the wounds into wisdom, our pain into purpose and to transmute what happened to us. But then we have to look around and see like, who else needs a helping hand? Who else needs um, care here? For me, the biggest driver was um, breaking away from, you know, my own feminine identity because the church really stripped that of me and told me it was something really specific. And because it told me it was really specific, it created a lot of internal separation in me because I didn't see myself as like a submissive lady in a long <laughs> a long skirt like just being submissive to her husband and god like that was never going to be me i'm just like way too spunky <laughs> and way too like free and so having to reconcile those things against my religion and then coming out of those two particular experiences the, leaving the religion of origin and reconciling my femininity putting those two things together is where i am now which is like very passionate about helping women like remember who they are lean into all of their gifts remember their power we've been stripped of our power for millennia and i'm really 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 passionate about just holding up a mirror and allowing women to see their power to see their potential and to see what's possible 
um, because of everything I've done and all of the amazing women I've met like you. Wow. Thank you. You know, you've said so much there. I'm, I'm, and a blessing and a curse today. The blessing is this voice allowed me to say, say pronounce your name properly, but the curse is that I don't feel like my voice is strong enough for me to express all the excitement that I feel and what you just said there. So I want to back up and ask, you talked about this power um, that exists in the feminine energy. And I got to tell you, inside of me, I'm like all sparkly and lighting up because I don't know that a lot of women um, know what that is and then how to tap into it. You're right. It's been for centuries, um, uh, I think, feared and then subdued on purpose. <laughs> and um, so let's let's talk, if you, if you don't mind, for a minute or two about what is this power that you that you talk about that is this feminine energy? What is it? Because I, how how could we define it if we were telling someone to tap into it? And I don't know if I'm asking that question correctly, but this example comes to my mind is um, I sit with some of my colleagues and my girlfriends for years and I, and we talk, those of us who have daughters, and say, now, how do you teach your daughter to walk on the earth? How do you teach her to walk on the earth, tapped into her power? And the first thing is, what is this power? So I, I pose that question to you. I hope it's not too heavy. <laughs> Never. I love this question. To me, our power is tangible and it's intangible. And the intangibleness of our power is all of our multi-sensory experience with the world, our intuition, our inner knowing, our deep connection to the divine, to animals. If you're a mother to children, you know that connection is like otherworldly. Um, I don't have children of my own, but I know when women express that, what I, I can get a small sense of what they're saying. Um, it's also about the physical power we have um in terms of energy energetically and spiritually and i'm talking about like being able to move love and healing through our physical bodies out into space and then the spiritually to like telepathically kinetically reaching people who need us um just this week in particular for me i I was in my house and I kept getting this like internal ping, like sort of like a, a light you see out in the ocean. But internally, my I have a sister-in-law and she just kept coming and to mine and coming to mine. I finally messaged her and I said, hey, I'm just checking on you. And of course, she came back with like, this is what's going on. I need your help. How do I address this? She left that conversation and said, every time I talk to you, I leave more empowered than I started at this original conversation. So there's the, that's the intangible way. And then the tangible way is our actual physicality, our intelligence, our brilliance, our aptitude, our ability to be a multitaskers and to be able to um, go into a room and know exactly what that room needs, the people who need to be spoken to, the things that need to be said. You know, we are just so dynamic. For somebody who really hated being a girl, like I was a tomboy when I was younger, and as an adult, and as I've come closer to loving myself, you know, in my integration, I look at women and I just think, wow, like we are so wonderful. And I just, I just want to remind everyone, like we can do anything. And 
um, even our physical strength against a man, like those things don't even matter. Like that, it's not even about that. Um, but I just think those two things combined are the source of our power. And then how we wield that power is very unique and individual to all of us. And most women who I know have access to their own power do that very diplomatically from a place of groundedness and centeredness and in in service of the collective and something bigger than themselves. So you can't look at a woman like that, like yourself, Dr. Drayvon, and say, she she's amazing and she is truly the embodiment of what the feminine is in this modern world. And wow, she takes my breath away. You just said so very much. And as you were talking, what you know, this whole thing, um, I'm listening to you, but I could hear like in the back of my mind, phenomenal woman, phenomenal woman by Maya Angelou. And um, it's in everything that we do, right? It's in the movement of our hips, the way our head moves or our eyes twinkle. It's everything that we do and it is uniquely ours right yeah. and there is no one way i love how you start off and you said you know you were a tomboy there's no one way for it to be expressed right yeah. there is no one way but it cannot be denied unless we ourselves. and i think that's why i think your bio is perfect because unless we ourselves participate in the suppression of our power because of institutionalized whatever that says no that's not right you need to be less of that and more of this mm -hmm. right and i think um i think i myself as i was coming through my journey into my into who i just who i allowed myself to be but coming through all those pathways and listening to people you know don't be emotional don't do this and I, one thing that you said that intuition that's something that that you cannot put your hands on that makes no sense to anybody else that if you were to mention it to somebody else they'd be like oh girl don't know like i i know like i know but sometimes you don't go with it because you don't have practice it takes practice to hone that skill to sit and listen to that and we don't teach that anymore to i think women as a whole right uh -huh. there is something that happened in my generation that i don't think happens in this generation is that a lot of time was spent around meal preparation with my grandmother and my mother you know picking collard greens or shelling peas and conversation happened right and things that were way over my head but i had to listen to that landed somewhere in my spirit. Now we don't do a lot of that talking to women like we should, so uh, like we need to. So I, your work to me is so, so very important. And so where I was going with all that is that this sense of how to tap into that power. First is to know and accept that it's there. Wow. That it is there. And I'm so glad that you are that voice that's calling out in the wilderness and said, it's here, right? And then the teaching of how to tap into that. That's a big question. So before I ask that loaded question, I want to lead into a little bit. You talked about in your bio that you are a practicing Buddhist. So a quick story about that. 
I was going through a trauma in my own life and was going for a run and ran past a temple and it was gorgeous. Didn't know anything about it, but something told me to go inside and I did. And um was greeted by just love in my time of need and uh, then ended up on the job that I am with now where there are practicing Buddhists on my team. And I love the message of love. Mm. So I'd like to talk to you about your journey and how you found um, Buddhism and, you know, how it's changed your life. Oh man, Buddhism was my pathway home. Like I don't, I would not be here sitting here with you today in this, this place, in this space. And even in my current mental state without Buddhism, it really undid a lot of the harm I learned in my religious experience. That was very harsh. That was very critical. That was judgmental. That was othering. That was divisive. Like you know, kind of just imagine everything you see with MAGA and all that stuff. That's that's how I grew up. Um, there was a lot of othering of hum humanity, which is not something I stand for at all, um, and obviously could not question in my childhood. And Buddhism for me, the the compassion seeps through every facet of that religion the paperwork, the canon of it, the the temples, the people who are really living it, the monks, the, the monks that are men or women. Anytime you meet somebody who has a, a Buddhist practice, you are just littered and showered with compassion. And that compassion starts by turning it inward on yourself. And turning compassion inward on myself created such beautiful and long-lasting healing in me that I knew I would never depart from that mindset ever again. And the Buddha constantly would remind in the text, like, you know, you, you have everything you need inside yourself and also don't believe me, like go find out for yourself. So that ability to be compassionate, but also compassionately autonomous in your seeking just was a, an absolute game changer to me. And I try to live in compassion as much as I can uh, in every area of my life um, because it's it's what we need. We need to be kinder to ourselves. We need to be more gentle. We need to give people more breaks. We need to give ourselves more breaks. We need to love ourselves more. And you can't do any of that. Like, you, I don't think you can even get to love without compassion and, and radical self-acceptance. Like, that's the road to loving yourself as is laid with those two markers. Radical self-acceptance. Yeah. And turning compassion inward is the road to loving yourself. That's right. Now, I want to say that again, because I do know from working with so many women, from having this podcast, from just being alive and being a woman, this road to loving yourself, almost seems like a mythical unicorn that seems insurmountable right because we are groomed to be selfless in our giving to the point of self-denial yep right? and it creates in us this and right now I, i'm doing a coaching of women 
and I'll share something that I heard a couple weeks ago. We're talking about our passions and our goals. And one woman said, I don't have any passions or goals. Mm-hmm. And while that may seem um, not detrimental to some, but it saddened me on a level, you know, afterwards I said, you know, can you and I just talk afterwards? What I heard in there was a lifetime of self-denial. Absolutely. No sense of self, just pouring out, pouring out, right? And then, although you'll say, oh, that sounds great, but here is what I also hear too, the quality of what we give to others depends on the quality of what we have to give. If we are not nurturing ourselves, right, then, you know, it's just like a garden. If you're not using great fertilizer, where your fruit is not going to be as great as mm-hmm. the farm that's using the great fertilizer. So you're still getting fruit, but it's not the highest quality. Mm-hmm. So this pathway to loving ourselves, I don't want people to take that small because if you're that person who's believing that, you are so selfless in your giving that you don't give to yourself. The quality of what you're giving is not at its peak. You could, right? Because you've not nourished yourself. So let's talk a little bit about this turning compassion inward on yourself. I love it. So, what are some things? If we were to have a group of women here with us right now, and I know this is a lot to do in a little bit of time that we have together, but I think um, you know, as little as we could do would be helpful for someone. What are some th- practices that we could have, daily practices that would help us to uh, turn compassion inward on ourselves? This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned the first thing, which is like acceptance. So that's part of the meditation practice of some sort. And I'm not talking like you have to go deep dive into meditation practice, but you do have to be present and accept where your life is in this moment. So to your point, I would say, yes, that's that's definitely step number one in, in anything as you're trying to undo and reconnect with yourself. Number two is that we are all so hardwired with an inner critic and our inner critic really does a number on all of us. So I, in my book, The Alchemy of Kindness, I talk about, you must literally tame your inner critic. I had to enter, I had to tame my inner critic to the point that I was training it like a dog. Like the example here I'll say is like, you know, when you have a little puppy and you're teaching it how to potty train or to eat or to sit or whatever you want it to do, you keep telling it no and you keep serving it a no and a redirection and a no and a redirection. I had to do that with my inner critic in order to start building self-compassion inside myself because I didn't understand what compassion was. Like I knew intellectually when I read it, what it was, but I didn't know what it meant to give it to myself. And so I had to discover and discern 
what were all of the barriers to me experiencing self-compassion from myself? Because I could receive compassion from others. I couldn't receive it from myself because I was in this huge internal separation. There was a lot of self-hatred, all motivated and sort of orchestrated by my inner critic, my past, my trauma, and my ego. So that second step of trying to tame your inner critic is so important and telling it no, and then giving it something else to think about. So for instance, like if I had a negative thought about myself, whether that was in my professional life, with my family life, with my relationships, and I said something like, I think I look fat today. And I, I wouldn't, I would, I would hear the thought starting to roll in and I would say, stop. And I wouldn't let the thought finish. I would stop and I would say, I'm going to be kind and gentle to myself. I love my body no matter how it looks right now. Um, and so I think you, I think we can't really address internal compassion until we address the inner critic because they're deeply tied to one another. And then the next step from, from there is like, once you can get a, a handle on your inner critic is start to deal with the things that separate you from yourself. And that can be a myriad of things. Um, for me, it was my religion. It was my view of myself. Um, it was my, um, my unworthiness. Um, you know, that's the next step is just to identify what are the things that I go back to as a story, as as an identity that takes me away from myself, that makes me think I'm something that I'm not. And then I think after that, you have to ask the question of, well, who am I if I'm not all those things? And to me, it's asking, it's asking that question and then getting rid of all of that. And this is over time. Like, no one's going to do this overnight. It's not an expeditious process. And then once you get all of those layers attended to, then you can start, because you can calm your nervous system down. You can calm your mental fatigue and mental chatter down. And then you can start bringing in compassion. Like, oh, you know what? I didn't actually get to do all the chores I wanted today. Oh, I don't really feel motivated to make dinner today. But you know what? That's okay. I'm going to be gentle with myself. Maybe I'll ask, you know, our partners to order in. Maybe I will, you know, not be so stressed out about getting all my deadlines at work and I'll ask my boss for more time. Like giving yourself so much compassion and space to be human. <laughs> that's, that's like, that's, that's it. You know, like we're all just being so hard on ourselves all the time. Oh my gosh, you wonderful let's say the name of the book again and where people can get the book the alchemy of kindness the alchemy of kindness it will be out next year so it's not out just yet but I, I, there's a whole a whole section on the inner critic where i talk i will break all of that down for everybody for um so you can get a, there'll be a link on my website but yeah it's, it's not out till next year alchemy happens to be one of my favorite words it's a word that I can use, actually, um, maybe somebody else will use it, so I'll say this. You said something about um, the puppy, and I love that. When you hear yourself um, reinforcing a negative thought or a negative pattern, you tell yourself no. And so for me, I clap at my hands to bring myself back to awareness, and I say alchemy. Mm -hmm. 
because to me, I'm a, I'm a pharmacist. I've been a pharmacist for over 30 years. And um, the idea of taking something in science and, or chemical and transmuting that energy to something else amazes me. It fascinates me and it gets my attention. So for me, is that even that thought, you know, and I, we all have them, that inner critic, that person that says you're not good enough, you, you're not disciplined enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not whatever it is, you know, or you're too much of that, you're too much of this. And everybody has that. But alchemy to me implies, okay, that energy, we're going to use, I got your attention with that thought. So now let's transmute that into, you are good enough. Uh -huh. This body is rocking no matter what it is. So, and and I've been doing, and you're right, it, it takes a lot of practice and still to this day, years of doing that. And I still catch myself. I'm that, I'm that freak that's in the car, clapping pans when you look <laughs> over because the thoughts are just rolling through my head. You know how they, they start um, snowballing you sometime. The inner critic does. If you can get over that negative thought about yourself, how about this one? And how about this one? And so I'm clapping just to ground myself. Yeah. Right? And come back with that. So I, I love, I love that. And Can I just um, say one more thing here about the alchemy that I think I want to just underline because you said, it, and you are an alchemist, you're an actual alchemist in your regular job. I love this word too. When I ever discovered it, I was just like, this is what I want to be for the rest of my life. But the thing about alchemy is never discarding anything. Like it all has purpose and it can be repurposed. So that's the power of alchemy. That's the power of being an alchemist in your human and spiritual experience. That's what I love about it. Me too. Right? That there is nothing wasted. Exactly. Everything, you know, everything is can be there used. for right. It's all just energy. It's all yeah. just energy. And so here's a trick too. And I don't know, um, if this would be useful to anybody but me because my mind goes off some weird tangents sometimes, but I am amazed at how um, much I can um, rethink a thought Yes, damaging all day long. But I can go to sleep and still be thinking it. And I will wake up and say, Draymond, you know you're one powerful being. You let that one incident deprive you of sleep deprive you of nourishing food you ate every potato chip and candy bar you could find right, right. so uh, what what amazes me is that the power of thought drove all of that and i said well, i wonder what what i would do if i would get fixated on something powerful today right if i could fixate on something that was destructive like that what could I change if I fixated for just an hour? Mm -hmm. Something amazing about mm -hmm. myself, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes, I'm, I'm going somewhere with that, sometimes I find um, through my work with women that they can't identify anything amazing about themselves. And I don't know if you've ever come across that, but if you have, I'd love it. If you could share, like, how can women tap into the goodness within ourselves because we are we can hyper criticize everything about um a little imperfection on our skin or our nails aren't perfect or 
everything. How can we tap in to the greatness that exists within us and get excited about it? This is such a good question. For me, uh, I think it's about number one, questioning our domestication and our conditioning. To your point, we are told so much all of the things that we are not. You know, we're not small, we're not, we won't be compliant, we aren't submissive, you know, we aren't just our beauty, we are intelligent, all of these things. Like, for me, I think it's about, number one, breaking that domestication and conditioning tape inside ourselves, because it's just another layer that takes us away from ourselves. I have this extended metaphor that I use all the time where it's like, you have all these puzzle pieces from like the world, your family and all this stuff, and none of them are in the right place and they don't fit and, you know, get them out, you know, and reorganize yourself into this puzzle that is the core person of who you are. So to answer that question, if someone is thinking about, I don't feel very great or inspired or like I have enough, um, experiences or like maybe my life wasn't bad enough or whatever the case may be. I mean, I would say that's conditioning too. It's a conditioning to believe that we're not extraordinary on our own as we are. And women get that so much. It's like, you're just like anyone else. And that's not true. We all have a beautiful story and light inside of us. And also we're super creative beings by our natural order so we want to create we want to um, engage and connect in the world in a very particular way so i would suggest if somebody's struggling with like you know where is my light where is my passion where is my the thing that makes me beautiful and unique i mean the questions are like how am i living into the story of conditioning and domestication what if those things are not true and then how am i what are the things that light me on fire that I've never told somebody? What is What have I wanted to create that I've denied myself in creating? And I think that would be a great starting point. And I think people would find that very valuable. Oh, I, I love it. I love it. I hear in everything that you just said is acceptance and acceptance of where you are right now. It's beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't know, that's beautiful. If you think you do know, that's beautiful. Yeah. Whatever it is right now is accepting the beauty in that. And so as, as we're talking um, today, I'm, I'm going to, I love looking at your name. I have to tell you that for some reason, just um, Ziamara. Yes. Is, <laughs> yes. I pronounced that right. Krista Ziamara is her guest today. And we're, we're talking about restoring the divine feminine um, to a rightful place and religious wounding and trauma and healing. And, You've given us so much to work from today. And, and I, I tell you, I feel so selfish because so much of what we're talking about today is right up my alley. I feel like it's speaking to me as I attempt to speak to other women too. But another topic that I want to talk about, well, along the same line as we're talking about healing, is this idea of women living vicariously through the successes of others instead of embracing their own journey. Uh, things I hear this all the time, I'll be able to breathe when my children do this or when my spouse does this. And my question to them is, what if your children never do that? Right? Mm -hmm. What if your spouse never does that? 
the idea of spending a lifetime holding your breath and your your very breath, your essence of life, your source being dependent on something external to yourself. How do we get past that? Because again, so much of our society and our culture um, applauds that, applauds you taking a back seat uh -huh. and being so much of a nurturer to, that you're unable to extract yourself from others in order to have your own journey, be independent. What, how, how do we do that? Gosh, one of the really big significant moments in my life when I came out of my religious experience, I went into a yogic ashram and I trained under the lineage of Swami um, Shivananda. And one of her books, The Diary of a Woman's Journey, she talks about like asking the question, what is the meaning of my life? I think in our very publicized world of social media, of online appearances and like the idea of keeping up with the joneses is like so distorted now and so i think people get really lost in the idea of who they're supposed to be and chasing what everyone else is supposed to be so i think the first question is like what is the meaning of your life the second thing if this doesn't light a fire in everyone's bottoms when i say this is like we think we have all the time in the world and we actually don't by the time women come into themselves and I, and and because we are not on the same trajectory as men men are given a, a huge amount of privilege as soon as they're born and there is a deconstruction that happens in most women and by the time they've deconstructed and and become into a place of their own their own power their own strength their own wisdom their own guidance you're looking at 40 50 years old so if you're some woman that's that's there like you ain't got time girl i'm sorry you don't have time you don't have time you need to get to it because you're right it's a tragedy that we waste so much time so we don't have the time we really don't have the luxury of time and there should be no reason that anyone should feel impeded or selfish or anything like that because if you think about in our current society the way the structure is still very patriarchal a man wouldn't take a second hesitation to go pursue something he wanted to do to leave you with your kids or you know your boyfriend to leave you for two weeks on a, a you know a vacation and he goes by himself or whatever and that, that is selfish behavior. I think it could be ascribed to selfish behavior. That's not what you and I are talking about right now. We're talking about honoring the calling and the ambition and the drive and the desire that is whispering to us all the time. And we're saying no to it. The more we say no to that whisper, that drive, that inclination, we are basically just putting ourselves into an early grave, you know, like not physically, but our, our spirit is being put into an early grave. So it's important for us to try to find ways and avenues to listen to those desires. And I, I always like to say too, again, because everything is so sensationalized, it's, it's in the ordinary things too. Like it's like going to a Zumba class and having a great connection with somebody who's having their lowest moment. Like that is the meaning of your life in that exact moment. And you probably provided some really beautiful, like love and compassion and space to that woman in that moment. 
and she needed that. And that was your life's purpose in that moment. Oh, you've just said so much. We're talking about time and we're just about out of time. But I do want to say that you have just, it's a great note to end on, is that you don't have as much time as you think you have, but you have just enough time. You're hearing this at just the right moment. There are no accidents in the world. This world is not chaotic. Your day is not chaotic. Believe me when I tell you, if you're listening to this podcast today, it is meant for you. This is your moment right now to, to be still. We didn't talk a lot about stillness, but I hope you guys heard that because we talked about yoga practice. We talked about the Buddhist uh, uh, practice. It is your time to be still and to fall madly in love with you no matter what you're doing right now. Our guest today has been Krista Siamara. I can't believe I said it right. And we've been delighted and pleased with everything that you've shared with us today. Tell us how um, our listening audience can connect with your ever so popular podcast and any other thing you want us to know about before we end. Okay, so you guys can, I hang out everywhere on the social media channels, but you can either go to www.iamkristaziamara.com or iwpodcast.com and you can get the links through both of those websites to everything in me, basically. Oh, you are just a delight and a joy. I am Dr. Drayvon James. This is the Everyday Peace Show. I invite you to visit my website at drdrayvonjames.com. Come over and join our Leaders in High Heels 12-week group coaching session. We'll be starting a new, another one in just a few weeks. We would love to have you for a quantum leap in your life. Until next time, please know that I absolutely love you. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, We'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.